0: The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means
1: that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about
2: the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org.
3: This is the week we are going to continue to open up those Patreon codes for you last minute Christmas shoppers out there. Two great companies. I'm going to give you all that in just a second, but Hey, before we get there, this is going to be a great episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. I am in West Virginia. We are bear hunting and uh, we've got three great houndsmen in this episode and the four of us sit down together and talk about bear dogs and pedigrees and uh, organizations, so hound organizations. Carl Chetel is the president of the highly recognizable Wisconsin Bear Hunters Association. What a great organization that is. They put on a great convention every year. Uh, They're very effective in keeping up the fight for houndsman's rights in Wisconsin. And they are actually an organization that you need to look at and, uh, try to find out how they're being so effective in their state. Carl's going to lay a lot of that out for you in this episode. And then Evan Workman and Johnny Hager of team Redwood are going to be talking about competition hunting with some plot dogs. But this is basically basically and mostly a bear hunting episode for the podcast. And uh, you're really going to enjoy that. Before we get to that, like I said, Merry Christmas. You fans have made Houndsman XP such a great success and so much fun for me and our team to make. So in appreciation of that, in this season of giving... You can go to dogsartreed.com and use our Patreon code. We're putting it out there. Normally, you have to be a Patreon member to get these codes, but these are going to be opened up to all of our listeners, anybody listening to this. So you can go to Dogs Artreed and enter the code PATREON20, all uppercase, PATREON20 at checkout, and get 20% off of Paws Are Protected Hoodies. Screen printed items, you know, coffee cups, all those sort of things are right there. All of them make great gifts. Highly recommend you go to dogsartree.com and use the code PATREON20 at checkout for 20% off of your purchase. The other great place for you to look for a gift for that hard to please hounds, houndsman in your life, go to stickbowoutdoors.com and get the hound log this is a brown leather bound book document every single hunt it's really going to up your uh, ability as a trainer and as a houndsman you also want to pick up the uh, canine records you ever wondered when your dog's coming in heat when their vaccinations are due have you got them on meds? Do you need to, do you need to keep a schedule of that sort of stuff? You can do that with a K9 records book, a complete book for all the medical records for your hound. So go to Stick Outdoors and at checkout check out, and you put that hound log in your cart and you put the canine records in your cart. And then before you hit checkout, you're going to get a discount code option. And that discount code is PATREON20 only this one is all lowercase. Patreon20, lowercase, use those codes to get good discounts, and tell your mother-in-law that you don't need another flannel shirt, you need a hound log, and a canine records book from Stickbow Outdoors, and she can get that for you at a 20% discount using the code Patreon20. Alright, let's get to it, we're going to have a good discussion here. Time to dump the box. How's come everybody stop talking? You guys haven't shut up for two hours.
1: Are we supposed to? We're just waiting for our marching orders. Yeah, you got them. You got. You them. Continue to talk, huh? Yeah.
3: Okay. Carl, take a look at those papers. Tell me about the dogs in that in that set of papers there.
1: Well, how
0: this all started was, um, I hunted with a fellow named Gary Martin in North Carolina. Um, He called me out of the blue, heard about my dogs. I had no idea how he knew about them. Went out there to hunt, because I wanted to hunt on the coast of North Carolina. Heard a lot of good things, a lot of fun, a lot of action, which it was, a lot of dogs. Uh, And he told me about this big fellow named uh, Evan. (laughs) <laughs> and they, I saw his dog working down there, and he went across the pick bean field, and none of the dogs we had could do what that dog did. He said, you got to talk to this guy down here over in uh, West Virginia. Evan Workman, he's got the dogs. And he said, really? I said, that's a nice dog. And he kept going on and on. So one day I just picked up the phone. I called Steve Fielder first, and I said, what do you know about this Evan guy? And he goes, oh, yeah, he, he, he's a good guy. He said, you should get to know him. So I called Evan, and we've been kind of friends ever since. Yeah invited me down here to hunt, and like we said, maybe it's eight, nine years, right? Yeah. 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 What so, can you
3: tell me about uh, some of the dog, the individual dogs in that set of papers right there?
0: Well, we had a mutual friend uh, named Chad Barth, and Chad is from Wisconsin. He had this dog named Solid Rock, and it was, uh, I heard, one of the better cold-nosed dogs in that part of the state where I hunted at the time. And I never knew the guy, but I always passed his house on the way home from where I hunted. I hunted north of him. So I stopped in, and we got to talking, told him what I was looking for in my Weems dogs that I had. I had uh, Butch and Jill dogs from James Brown, and um, I said, I need a little bit of nose. Pretty warm nose dogs I had. And he said, well, this this the solid rock dogs that come out of Steve Fielder's stuff, he says they have great nose. He says, I'm out doing all the walker guys up here. And we hunt in sand country, and it gets pretty hot in the summer, and it's really hard to start a track. It's hot, it's sandy, and he said he can always start a track. So we we got a pretty good friendship going, and we decided to make a cross. And um, we took my easy dog, which is a Weems dog, and uh, crossed his rock dog, and that's how we got Sam. And then we took, uh, or Dash, and then we had Dash, which was a great bear dog. That first cross was awesome. And then we took a dog out of Rock and Jones Indio and crossed it and got Rock and Dodger. And we made another cross. And that's where I got Sam. So, And from those dogs are really where I was heading, and it wasn't going in the right direction. And I said, well, how do we get some more of these bear pen dogs that go back to the original dogs and that's where Evan comes in is those were from um, T.C. Hill's Desperado. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: a.k.a. The drum. The drum dog. The drum. Yeah. The
0: drum dog, yeah. yeah.
1: And well, Rock is
0: But to ex- it, drum, right? Yeah. Here.
1: To extend on what Carl had said, when he got the Sam there, he did an artificial breeding with her to some drum semen that I had stored in Indiana and never gone. And that, uh produced a very good litter of dogs right so one you see in this pedigree of female greg michaels that we haven't hunted with but we've seen very good things of or heard very good things about um and i've got the two that you've been hunting with this week a star and snake dog which uh, you know i consider good good finished uh, dogs um and uh, one of the hunting partners of Ours, uh, that you've also been hunting with this week, has a very, you know, an exceptional female out of that same cross. Uh, David Menard, we call her yeah. Bunny. So she's uh, a, a good, a very good dog as well. So Yeah, how would you describe Bunny? <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, Scotty had, a, you know, one of our hunting partners, Scotty, had had originally got her from Carl and she was kind of a high-strung little female, a bit annoying, you know, when she was a pup and a young dog, um, and for that reason, he gave her to David, you know, he and David are close uh, hunting partners, and they just used her as a pack dog, and, and two years old, when she got about two years old, she just started turning up treed with bears by herself on somewhat of a consistent basis, and so we quickly recognized that she was going to be something special. She's uh You know, smart, extremely fast, good strike dog out of the truck, and treed probably as many bears by herself as any dog I've ever hunted with. I mean, she's she's uh, she she needs no help; (laughs) she can do it on her own. So, yeah, she's she's a really nice female. Um,
3: so it all, but it all started with Drum, right? Yeah. So tell me about Drum. Tell me. Tell me. Give me the drum story here, yeah. Yeah. because everything that we're hunting with this week is basically, I mean, even what I packed
1: yeah. over here yeah. comes
3: from, has drum in the pedigree. Yeah,
1: yeah, he really created a new foundation for us. So, you know, going back, uh, he was born October of 99, so, you know, 21 years now ago. I was a, a young guy with a, a lot of enthusiasm, you know, for hunting and uh I noticed. Uh, I never forget. I think I was telling you this story the other night. In the the margin of an American Cooner, there was an ad for litter plot puppies out of the uh, capital city. Sam's Go Annie female and Steve's Roper dog. Um, and I was able to uh, purchase one of those. I got her at the got him at the Grand American. Brought him home with full intention of making a hound out of him. I had aspirations to be a competition coon hunter at that time. And uh, coon hunted him a lot, and and he. He would tree a coon, but uh, he he was nothing exceptional in that regard. And and at about he was born in October. That first bear seed was about fourteen months old. We had some of the dogs banged up and sore, and I thought, what the heck, I'll take this pup and try him. And you know, really, from that first day I hunted him, he uh, I tried him on a cold track. He did well on that. Got out in the front of the the race and ran and tree and just did an exceptional job. And and the rest was history. I mean, we <laughs> he was. Uh, uh, you know, a main dog we hunted for several years. He died at about nine and a half, but he—he uh, he just really had it all. Um, he was a good, had a great nose, extremely fast, smart, good strike dog out of the truck. Uh, very good temperamented dog. Just everything that you wanted a dog. Uh, you know, in our environment, he—he he excelled. And so we—we we made a couple crosses with him, and uh, he produced his his like, you know. He he made some exceptional bear dogs. I think, you know, I was talking, they're doing an ad in uh, Clay Newcomb's uh, Bear Hunting Magazine next month on a uh, legendary bear hound, and that was uh, that was a dog directly out of drum. Uh, that'll be featured in an upcoming article on that, and, and he was one of many that, that was directly out of drum that was just uh, a phenomenal bear dog, and that was the Duke dog of uh, a good friend and hunting partner of mine, Scott Swagger. So, and he's, you know, came and gone, and, and I've got a, a good male that you're hunting with this week uh, you've seen a lot of uh, work out of that's out of out of Duke, and uh, again, those artificial uh, crosses that Carl's made on his females. So, yeah, he's everything that I have in my kennel, and, and basically uh, everything that you see in the other, uh, you know, hunting partners' vehicles, and their, their kennels, and, and a lot of the people that hunt in the area. And beyond. So uh yeah, he really changed the the game for us here. We we went that direction totally. We <laughs> he made a believer out of us. So uh yeah, after we're down to about five generations and twenty one years from him that all go back, many of them two and three times and for as many as five generations. So uh he uh he allowed us to build a, a new stock that, that works really good.
0: And one of the things that Evan didn't mention was this extreme durability out of these dogs that came out of drum. The durability, the dogs I was running at the time, you know, three days straight, and they were broke down pretty bad, or two days if you ran them hard enough, they were broke down. Uh, that dog brought durability where you could just, there was, he would hunt every day you wanted to hunt him
1: all yeah. the dogs he had, so the dur- durability is amazing. Yeah, that that is key, and that's a, that's a good point, foot, foot. Uh... I mentioned to Chris earlier this week had a dog cut a pad and just cut it, and, and that's the first sore foot I can remember on a dog. You know, hunting day in and day out on snow uh, in, in a really long time. So those those dogs are always at the end of the chain or at the kennel door waiting to go, even after five and six straight days of running them. So they they hold up really well. Also, that's another good attribute that they have.
3: Yeah, yeah. How's are you? Are you going to eat any cornbread, Johnny? Uh, do we have any <laughs> we've got some back there How does this guy fit into it evan johnny hager how does how does
0: johnny fit well, into well this as Vicks?
1: john t as we know him um i, I ran across him in the, the early 2000s i you know for many years chased the coon hunting game as well and uh johnny anybody that knows johnny knows that he's very passionate about his plot coon hounds and uh has, has done a lot of competition coon hunting over the years and Probably one of the dogs that Johnny is best known for was a a dog called Solid Oak. And yes. I'm very happy and to to report that <laughs> I delivered that puppy to him in the summer of two thousand four. Which solid oak came out of what cross? Solid oak was out of a Grand Knight champion female that I own called uh, Redwood Josie. And a friend of ours, uh, Jeff Coons, is Redwood Oaky Dog. And right. that, that cross we made legendary. Yeah, it is. It is. I guess you would consider it legendary. We made it's that still
3: the number one historical.
1: It it is. It is. Now they don't. UKC doesn't recognize crosses, but they recognize you know dams and sires. Right. And both Oki and Josie were the number one historical reproducers, and largely because of one another. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess Josie was was totally. Oki had things outside of Josie, but for sure most of his uh, production. Uh, Record came from her, so they were they were two exceptional coon dogs, totally unrelated to the dogs we were talking about early. Uh, but we just managed these lines independent of one another for two different purposes. And so I gave Johnny that was a second cross, and uh, took Johnny a pup. I think he skinned me on that deal a little bit. He <laughs> traded me. He traded <laughs> you, me. F- you'd never know it. <laughs> yeah, he traded me a female that wasn't uh, much account, but he did take that dog on and made me <laughs> proud. So. And I think he even, uh, you know, he made a lot of noise. Johnny might touch on that a bit. But he even hit the reproducers list, I believe, you know, sometime later. Right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah Oaks, uh, currently number four historical. He, he was the current number one reproducer for uh, probably two or three years. Number one performance sire. Produced 166 pups off of him. And uh, currently that's what I'm hunting now, dogs off of him. Yeah. You know, Oaky and Josie. I think that cross Okie and Josie was four times, yeah. and I seen exceptional dogs that I ever cross.
3: That's unusual. And, uh, you know, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of banner around, and and you know pickle Bear pickle Bear will talk about how many times you can make a cross and it'll be effective, but yeah. the Okie Josie cross seemed to work several times. Yeah,
1: yeah, it did, and there's a lot of alignment. You know, in terms of a lot of people are. You know, they, they try to, you know, you get the cousin cross or the third generation line, and, and that has worked, and I've seen success in doing that. But this was just a, a total outcross, just the old good dog to good dog, right? Right. And totally unrelated, but it, it worked well. It, it really did. And we had uh, a lot of fun with those dogs, and I think they've probably all passed by now. but
2: There's, there's one dog living out of that cross. Is that right? Uh, o- well, Oaks litter, mate. Melody's still living, far as I know. Yeah. Oh, Kevin she's, Lundum's. She's, six and, I think, 16 and a half.
3: Yeah. yeah. Kevin
1: Lundum's yeah. Melody yeah. female. Yeah. She's still alive.
2: Yeah, Melody's still alive.
1: Wow. Yeah, that, that was the second cross. I think there was seven pups in that cross, and I think uh, six of them, maybe they're made night champion or grand night. Mm-hmm. Three grand nights and three night champions.
3: Well, anybody that has been followed the – MPHA or plot days or anything like that I mean there were several years there and that's how I met you guys Yeah, was uh, through plot days and I saw a pretty cool thing going on with the uh, Team Redwood crew and you know anytime you guys you were always in the winner's circle but anytime you were the whole team was in the photo too so it was never a deal where it seemed like it was an individual effort you yep. know, it was always a team effort, and the more I got to know you and talk to you and things like that, you know, it was always like, hey, you know, if I've got something that can help Johnny, then I'll send it. If I got something I can help Rich, I'll send it. Um, you know, and you guys just work together, and that was what was so cool about that group that that I got to know. Yeah. Through plot days, through plot days. So, I mean, how many? How are you an Isaiah Kid
2: winner? Yes
3: with which dog uh dixon dixon isaiah kidd which is is that related to the redwood dogs he's out of oak he's out of oak okay and then evan what's how many times have you ran
1: twice i won isaiah kidd twice uh, once in 2008 with a dog we called spider a grand night champion female that was a full litter mate uh oak second cross josie and okie and then I won it again in 2010 uh, with a dog we called Super Stripe. Super Stripe. The Super Stripe. Yeah. yeah, and she, she did that in uh, in style up there. Treated a lot of coons uh, that weekend, those three nights. She operated well, but she was out of the fourth cross of Josie and Okey, so mm-hmm. they were same cross, different litters. Um, so I yeah I got to got to do that twice. Um, fortunately. And I hear some young guy from Missouri's tied my record. He's done it twice, uh, two now. So I guess I'm gonna have to go back and try to there get the third one. <laughs>
3: Where are we gonna find that dog?
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll come up one with out something. Somewhere. Yeah, we'll. I come saw up some
3: something. video today of some pups. Johnny's got some. Yeah. He's got some stuff hidden down there that yeah. he's getting ready to yeah. break out.
1: Well, to your point, you know, when you when you get a group of guys uh, working in the same direction, you can you can always find a way, right? Yes. So we we get our mind set to something we'll uh, we'll come up with something to take. Yeah, away. I'm just
3: glad you guys adopted me because <laughs> it took me a while to get a redwood redwood dog. Uh, came from Rich Emery, yeah. yeah, and uh, it was a little Skinner female, and she was she was a nice nice coon hound. But I was in the process of transitioning from competition coon hunting to more of a multi purpose mm-hmm. you know dog that I could hunt on a lot of different things. So. But yeah, she's a nice dog. So,
2: it, it it definitely takes a team effort breeding dogs. Yeah, hard to do it by yourself. And like Evan, the rest of them, they all kind hard dogs. I mean, uh, I like a dog with drive, heart. Mm-hmm. You know, don't quit. You know, turning him loose, he don't come back. And you know, reasonably getting treated, and uh, a good track dog, mm-hmm. a good nose. So I mean, they you know they. They were pretty much out in the same trade of dogs I was, so and uh we've what about twenty years now we've been friends, and you know continue I've been bio hunting probably about ten years now,
3: Yeah. Evan, you said something, and this you you talked about heart drive track dog, you know brain, stuff like that, but you said something about stripe in two thousand ten at Holmesville, and I remember you saying this. We were sitting there, and we were talking about stripe, and you said, if she gets treed, you can bet I'm going we'll use all my shine time. Yeah. Why? Why did you say that?
1: Well, you know, when, you, when you're when you around long enough that you hunt with some of those dogs throughout the pedigree, she was a lot like her dad, which was okey, right? And she was a very tight-mouthed dog, barked very little on the ground, very independent, and was deadly accurate. I mean, yeah. in that time of year... At that time of year, in that area, you know, homes where the coon is plentiful, you can... In August. In August, it would be very rare for her to miss. Very mm-hmm. rare. And uh, so and, and therefore, I would, you know, look, do my best, to you know, utilize a full shine time, do everything I could do to find the coon, which I would with any dog. But, you know, I went in there knowing mm-hmm. that I was going to find that coon. And if I didn't, it was my fault because she, she just didn't miss him. Yeah. She was a, a medium to hotter-nosed dog than a lot of those that I... Uh, dogs that I've hunted, but the the good part of that, you know, on a frosty November night, she didn't tree a truckload of coons. But you get in that type of country in that time of year, she would tree those coons fast in a hurry and always have them. And she was just very, very tough to deal with. You surprised I remember you saying that. I am. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm <laughs> impressed.
3: Don't be impressed. Yeah, <laughs> it did make an impress. It made an impression yeah, on me. Yeah. It made an impression on me. And so. you know, I
1: had litter mates and hunted with. Lots of dogs from that cross, and they were not all that way. And as a matter of fact, you know, a lot of them were were not were a different style of dog. But she was very much like the Okie dog, right? Fast, tight mouth, and, and very accurate.
3: How how important to your development of houndsman has this Team Redwood thing been for you? Yeah. Well, John, go go ahead, Evan.
1: Yeah. Well, it's 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 you know. I, it's you, you can't put a put a value on it right it's been outstanding i mean the the relationships i mean essentially we're sitting around this table today because of it right that's right you know our past uh crossed several years ago because of that we became friends and have made a lot of uh, good memories together and johnny as he said for you know 20 years we've we can sit here in in, in in this bear camp that we're in right now. You've uh, been a witness to listen to these old stories, you know, from... I've heard so many stories <laughs> the last three days. Yeah. You For, put Johnny in my truck. From, wow. From all over the country, you <laughs> That's know, right. from all over the country, our yeah. our travels. And, you know, you get, uh, I think I mentioned, you, you, you get out and when you're young, you think it's how many bears I can tree or how many trophies I can haul home. But as you get older, you start to look back and those memories that you have... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you start to put more value on that than the the other things, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm very appreciative of of all the relationships that I have because of that deal.
3: Johnny's kind of the last holdout here on the competition, coon hunting scene. Yeah. Aren't you, Johnny? Yes.
2: Still hanging on. You love it. I do. You you love I like the competition side of it, competitive. But would you coon uh, hunt if you couldn't compete? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yes. I, knew you, I knew you'd say that.
2: Yeah, I'd probably still be coon hunting. And, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of these wins, like Evan won National Grand Night. I was there with him. Uh, Jeff won National Grand Night. I was there. Then Evan won again with Dixie, uh, Wesley's dog. I didn't and, even uh, touch on that part of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's And then you have won with what? I won National Grand Night with Oak, uh, Ryder, and Dixon.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, then uh, – Plus Kyle won with uh, Rock, mm-hmm. uh,
3: a redwood dog. Been several redwoods
2: yeah. in the last twenty years.
3: Absolutely, I, I can't think of a more predominant, dominating family of dogs and, and team of hunters that have com- accomplished more with the plot breed than than Team Redwood. Yeah. You know, there hadn't been there hadn't been an equal, and you can look at it on paper any way you want. It just yeah. it's not there. So, but we're at Bear Camp. Evan, thanks for having us down here, and and uh, I told told your father in law that uh, you know this is one of my favorite places to come. The, yeah. the camp's set up great, and how many
1: generations is this house? Well, this is uh, my son would be the seventh generation here in this this house that we you know consider bear camp, and the. The rest of the family over the years just continued to build around it, so it's a, <laughs> it's a nice uh, community, a close-knit community of, yeah. of family. But this particular house has set vacant since 1983 for about 37 years, and, and it's, it's well-maintained, but it's dated. You know, everything, and it's like you, it's walk, awesome. you walk in. It's, it's, it's like, like going back to my great-grandmother's house. Yeah, it's house. like it's going amazing. back in time. And uh, you know it's it's really nice, and it's it serves the purpose well. It's a great hunting camp, and uh, you know anyone that that wants to come, they hunt whatever we may be after that time of year. It it, it provides a, a great place for everybody to come and sit outside around the fire or, or inside, you know. And so uh, yeah, it it works well. It's it's good.
3: So how did Carl get in this mix? Because Carl, you're from Wisconsin. Carl tell are you still the president of the Wisconsin Bear Hunters? Yes. Yes. Okay. How did you get mixed up in this mess? Um,
0: hunting out in the coast of North Carolina with my friend Jim. Jim usually is here with me when we come down. He's come many years, too, but couldn't make it this year. But um, we had a mutual friend that um, that we bumped into. Not bumped into. I went out there to hunt because I wanted to hunt on the coast, see what it was all about. And I always heard about the big rough bear and everything, and... Lot of action, which it was. it was. It's about killing bears. Yeah, as much about dogs as it is about killing bear. You know, when I was there,
3: but um, I think we covered we covered that part about yeah. you know you seeing the outstanding dog work and stuff. But so, how many years ago did you start coming down to West Virginia? Like we said, I think eight or nine years ago. Eight or nine years ago. Yeah, and like I
0: said, a mutual friend said I have to get a hold of the guy that had this dog that we hunted with down there, which was a heaven workman and we talked to steve and we just picked up the phone call
3: and said let's let's hunt together yeah. so carl let's talk a little bit about um your work with wisconsin bear hunters and where you guys are where you guys how, are much, at right how now? much time you got oh my <laughs> gosh you know this is one of the main driving forces behind this podcast is our motto is to preserve protect and promote and uh um, uh you're right. I mean you're you're eyeball deep or maybe sometimes you feel like you're over your head and swimming, treading water, I don't know. Gasping no, for air. Not really. Really?
0: <laughs> no, not really. It's just a lot of work. A lot, a lot of, work. of dedication and we have a board of directors that's very dedicated and like we always say, it's it's a way of life and very passionate Wisconsin hound hunting. Uh for Bear, Michigan's the same. West Virginia, I can see the same thing. Uh, this is the way people live their lives. They take it personal. Yeah. So when you got a bunch of people that can do anything, it'll die for you, raise as much money as you want or need to h- fight these political battles, and they always come through, you got something very special that mm-hmm. the, other, the rest of the hunting community really doesn't have. Hound hunting brings out the best in people, and actually I will say it, it, they put their money where their mouth is, and, and they know how important it is. And that's something that doesn't really translate in other hunting sports is that to win the game of preserving your sport, controversial as it may be, it is about raising money.
3: Yeah, because hunting bear with hounds has got to be one of the lowest hanging fruits out there that's, you know, that's on the chopping block. It seems like every year we have to go into the halls and, and yep. justify what we do and why we do it.
0: And it's not once a year. It used to be seasonal. You, you would go to the state capitol. You'd have a few hearings at certain times of the year. Uh, fighting for the rights of bear hunting is is a full-time job. Not a full-time job. It's eight hours a day, but it never ends. Right. You, there's always something every week that you need to work on. You've got to build relationships. You've got to teach people how Important it is to stay in the fight because it's really easy to say someone else can do it. You know, it's in good hands, but you need an army of people to raise the money and you need to make sure that you're letting them know that you're working hard for them. That's what keeps them motivated. Mm -hmm. Um, Wish you could get more people involved. That's one of the hardest things in preserving that? that.
3: How do you get more people involved?
0: The convention. And we, we put on a convention that I think is the best convention for any sportsman group, not only in the state of Wisconsin, it's probably one of the best in the nation. Um, it's very organic, it's very grassroots, it's very family-oriented, at least until evening shows up, and then there's the dance, <laughs> of course. It is Wisconsin, uh, but it's, it's, you can just see people showing up with three generations of their family at our event, their grandchildren, their daughters, their, you know, I should say four generations. Uh, it's amazing that how generationally that people are involved in this sport, and it's important to them to maintain that tradition. Yeah. Um, and again, how hunting started out here. It didn't start in Wisconsin. Uh, the first hound hunt for bear in the state of Wisconsin was in the 60s, Um you guys have probably been bear hunting in this state hundred years before that, where we first even had a season, and and not that we weren't doing it earlier, but it, it became more formalized, mm-hmm. and and when it became formalized, it slowly started getting organized. And one thing I uh, with us in Michigan that we realized is that we have something real special. Um, you got to get ahead of the game, and then you got to maintain the pressure yeah. on your membership, making sure they know that this is important, you gotta fight for it, you can't sleep, you can't sit on your hands, you gotta collaborate with states that think like you, mm-hmm. um, and you learn from them, and you just gotta keep putting the pressure on your state legislators, your membership, and your board members, that you gotta still work
3: to keep this sport. So, so how important is it to, uh, talk, to me, talk to me about the relationships that an effective organization has to build with not only their membership, but also their fish and wildlife regulatory agencies, state representatives, things like that?
0: First comes your members mm-hmm. and your board of directors, making sure that you support your board of directors wherever you can, because without them, you can't do it by yourself. Um, Wisconsin Bear Hunters has a foundation. Um, they have different events that they run we have big bear contests, uh, we have landowner relationships, we have the legislative, we, got, um, we, we cat hunt a lot in our state, coyote hunt, so we, they're part of our family too, it's not all about bear hunting. And we have tons of committees in different areas in, 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 in the state of Wisconsin to be able to hunt. And they're all work, they all help, they help raise money, they run raffles, Um, they sell or build things that can be donated for raising money. We have two ways of raising money. There's uh, money to the general fund of Wisconsin Bear Hunters, and then there's the Save Our Sport, which is the the political Mm -hmm. spending for the organization. And the political spending of the organization is more where my interest is because that's the legislature. If you don't have legislators in the legislature, um, understanding how important it is to you and how you can support them in their elections, you wouldn't have
3: uh, You wouldn't have bear hunting in the state of Wisconsin. It's that important. Right. And a lot of times you get a lot of these organizations uh, that are working and the leadership doesn't hunt or hasn't hunted for a lot of years, but you're an active, how many states have you bear hunted in, do you think?
0: Wisconsin, um, West Virginia, and North Carolina. I have a hog hunted in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I've been in other states to meet other bear hunters sure. at their homes. Um, but those are the only states that I have actually bought a hunting license in. Yeah.
3: yeah. You never hunted Michigan or? No. <coughs> no. Really? And, well, the thing is, you got your own
0: area, your own time. Sure. You got your family. You've raised your kids doing this. You, you get spread thin, and and that's that's always been a struggle. Mm-hmm. I got a wife; I want to make sure <laughs> she's happy too. <laughs> no. uh, you know, you got to keep happy hunter, happy home. Right. It really is. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it for a long time, yeah, and it's very important. Yeah,
3: I my try. point was, you know, you're actively involved. You're out here still turning hounds loose and hunting, and that's your first. You know, that's your first passion, and then you've dedicated your.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been doing it for 22 years on the on the board of directors at the Wisconsin Bear Hunters. Wow! And I realized right then and there uh, there was a lot of talk of ah this this sport isn't going to last two or three years. It's controversial, and it it kind of pissed me off. I I said yeah. I'm not going to accept that. I'd never accept defeat, anyways. And it's just like you're giving up. And I I we I, you need leadership that doesn't give up and understand that this is more this is a tipper spear of all hunting. When weed fall, trapping falls, the next thing is deer hunting. The next thing is some of these other sports. You know, I don't understand
3: and, why other sporting groups can't understand that. You know, it's like, what are we willing to give them? You know, oh, well, it's it's bear hunting. It's, you know, hound those hound guys. But once you give that up, then you've taken that off the table and now it's deer hunting, or now it's turkey hunting, or now it's you know squ- squirrel hunting, or whatever. Well, I can
0: answer that for you. Yeah. Your, our sport has always been threatened since I've been a board member, always. Controversial, trying to get rid of it. We had a moratorium in, I think, 84, where we lost our season. These other sports have never lost deer hunting for a year because of some type of lawsuit, or claims that your game management team doesn't know what they're doing. Um, there's no threat, immediate threat. When you're immediately threatened to lose what your passion is, you get involved. You just, it's it's automatic. You're like, I really like doing this. I'm not going to give up on it. Other sports don't have to worry about that. I'm sure if it happens to them, that's when it will happen. Yeah. Because then you're like, oh, those guys were right. i got to get involved. I, deer hunting means the world to me, you know. Right. Uh, trapping means the world to me. Whatever it is, whatever it, Bow hunting, you know, it, it, they're just, it's not threatened. So once you get threatened and you're backed in the corner, that's when people start always to fight. It
3: seems like that hound organizations are in a constant fight to maintain, you know, mm-hmm. be able to maintain the lifestyle they have. And with, uh, you see like deer hunting organizations that can get more involved in the management side of it and talk about the nuances of, their sport they're not worried they're not fighting the fight to keep it you know like hound hunting is and so what's the state of what's what's the state of hound hunting in west virginia what do you think
1: well you know i i'm not as involved as carl is um but you know it does get your attention when there is a an imminent threat right and i and i recall once in my in my hunting career when there there was a threat and you know all the hound guys throughout the state united um, to come because you know to Carl's point, you got to understand where your leverage is, right? What what politicians care about, money, votes, that's pretty much it, right? So we we don't have the professional lobbyists like um, uh, Wisconsin does, but when the, you know when you sh- show up in mass numbers, and I and I recall them uh, organizing a, a West Virginia Sporting Dog Association, we're all you know that you're. Your beaglers, your coon hunters, your bear hunters, fox hunters—you know everybody. Just, just in order to get the the maximum amount of participation and show the the legislators that that this is a concern, you know, a widespread concern—that um, helped deter that. But you know, I, I haven't been aware. Only one time in in 20 years that I recall uh, that being an issue.
3: Let's circle back around. I want because you said something about. That the Wisconsin bear hunters does, and I'll tie this back into what I've seen here in West Virginia. But you said something about landowner relations. That's one of the things that Wisconsin looks at, right? So, what is that? What what kind of
0: well, what we do in Wisconsin is um, landowners that allow us to uh, with you know you you build a relationship by asking them to have access to their land. Your dogs. Um, Sometimes it's when it happens, you don't plan on being there, and you remember them. You take their name and address down, and uh, we have a, a drawing. We raise a, a lot of money, and in those drawings, they can get a cash uh, check back for us being able to uh, hunt on their land, and they remember that. And you, you send them a nice little postcard that say, you know what, thank you for letting us hunt here. This is from the organization. We really appreciate people that have that type of consideration. And I hate to say it is, they're not doing it because we're good looking. It's it's money talks. <laughs> yeah, so you uh, don't have to tell uh, us. That, that, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe someday we'll have to change it from fifty to seventy-five to a hundred, and and when that time comes, we will do so because that's the opening of the door, the caches, yeah. and they remember it. And then once you do that, you know, you stop in because they're in your hunting area, and you, you say, how's it going? I remember me, and some, most of the times they don't remember you because they run into people all the time. Right, I'm the bear hunter because you don't have your dogs with you. And, and you start talking to them, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks for the check, you know, by yeah. the way. Why, well, do you want to have a cup of coffee? So then, you know, you build those relationships one at a time, and then when... You know, you get bad mouth, as the big bad mean hound uh, hunters that are out on uh, running all over people's land that they don't have access to. That guy will go to f- go to and vouch for you and say, "Right, that, that's not the people I know." Yeah, you know, and and it's really important. And when you got as many members as we have, and you when you, thousands in and, in and, and when they're all doing the same thing, that's that's a big army of landowners that. We'll stop put the brakes on that type of negative commentary towards houndmen and how they use the uh, the landscape, right. because they know firsthand what it's about. And we educate them. You take the time to talk to them. You know, it's you, a lot. It's a
1: lot about breaking, about breaking the characterization, yes, right? yes, of, of hound hunter. You know, you you want to break that, and you always you know, always encourage fellow you know hound people to. To be respectful, drive slow. Yeah, you know all the things that landowners want you to do. Close, right? close your door. But yeah, <laughs> clo- close your door. Um, and, and you know, Chris can relate to that because uh, <laughs> there yeah. was an epic fail this week. I'll just get it out there. There was,
3: an, and I'll admit it in front of the Wisconsin bear hunter president. So we're running. We're cold trailing this. <laughs> It was terrible. It was terrible. I mean, it really was. I, I And as soon as it happened, I was like, man, that was stupid. So we cold trail this bear out of an area. It comes across mountain. It's getting down on the road. Evan calls me on the radio and says, hey, you need to get over here. We're catching dogs, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I go out there, and I'm on the road, and Evan's got a dog running down. Is that a U.S. Highway?
1: Yeah.
3: A yeah. U.S. Highway. So, you know, I'm trying to block traffic, and people are honking at me, and and we get that dog caught, and then somebody's catching one of my dogs up there, and we're getting that dog caught, and then I've got a dog running down the road, and I'm trying to get that dog caught, and some lady pulls up, and she says, hey, I need to talk to you about something, and I just, in the heat of the moment, I just looked at her, and I said, what? You know, because I was caught up in all of that. And it just went downhill from there. Mm. You know, I walked away at first, and I came back, and I apologized. I said, look, I said, I'm sorry. That's not the way I intended to come off. And then she went down the road, and she gave Evan a whole earful, too. So (laughs) I did not do a good job of representing bear hunters in the state of West Virginia.
1: (laughs) but I assured her that that I would reprimand Chris on his bad behavior, right? Oh, that, I, that, that was would, brutal. That I would correct that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and th- that we were uh, very sorry for any inconvenience. What are you laughing about, Johnny? You were
2: standing right there.
1: Uh, so
2: I, I just tried to stay out of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and she just happened to be the landowner oh, as well. Yeah. yeah yeah, it
3: wasn't good so even in the even when you do all these things and you talk about all these things you know I mean we talk about this stuff every week and Mm -hmm. still in that heat of the moment man I just I dropped the ball you know I did so uh, what one
0: one thing I know in our state and I see it here kids are involved and it, it breaks the ice you know you talk to landowners what you're like my daughter Jessica, she's been bear hunting since she I carried her in a backpack at a year and a half old, um, and when she's with you, that whole perception is just totally changed of what exactly. the hound men are. Kids are key. Uh, your wife, your your girlfriend, women, daughters, they're they're super key to hound hunting. Uh, I can't say enough about the girls and the ladies in the state of Wisconsin. Hardcore bear hunters, I think they do more uh, for opening up doors of closed minds to bear hunting than than, than the men do because, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> different personalities, uh, different different whole tact of how to talk to people when people are angry or a little got a little hot under the collar because they're not understanding what's going on. Evan called on his feminine side. <laughs> I mean, <Yes>. he <laughs>
3: calmed that
0: down. And oh, that's that's key though. You yeah. can't yell. If you just say, I am sorry, man, and you start talking to them, next thing you know, you're not that uh, a troll that lives under the bridge with uh, right. sharp teeth and one eye. They're like, wow, this guy can talk to me and and and, uh, and settle me down, and you just got to calm people. You got to yeah. calm people down quite a bit because... They only know what they hear from people like are been, in our community. We've
3: allowed people to control the narrative of what a hound hunters are for way too long. Mm-hmm. And when I see organizations like Wisconsin Bear Hunters that's out there proactively trying to set the image, paint the picture of what a houndsman is, and then actually doing it with programs like your landowner appreciation uh, relationship program, that's awesome. You know, now we're in control of the narrative and, or we're trying to gain control of some Mm -hmm. part of it instead of somebody look, scrolling through social media or getting it from TV or whatever it is, or Walt Disney, Mm -hmm. you know, that is so key. And I've, I've witnessed the same thing with my daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, they just, it's like Lauren, Lauren Branny. She talks about, you know, women just bring a different energy and it's good. Mm -hmm. It's a good deal. Yeah.
0: And then we have our foundation. Our foundation is for education. And um, the way we set up those dollars, are raised separately. And um, SCI helps us a lot in the northwest part of the state. They they so buy the governor's Club, tag.
3: Safari so Club International. Mm-hmm. They buy okay.
0: our governor's tag. We get uh, governors two governor's tags every year to raise money. And uh, we can raffle them off. And it, it, it skips you in line to be able to get a bear tag. So people pay high dollar for them, and then we plop them into our foundation. Our foundation dollars then go towards education. We have scholarships. Uh, we give out many scholarships every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to qualify. Uh, we have some guidelines. We'd like them to be hunters and also write their essays about hunting. And um, there's smaller scholarships, so we can do enough of them. But we did a, a thing a few years ago. We had a really bad tornado up in the northwestern part of the state. And um, there were people that were in our bear hunting community. If they weren't relatives, they were hound hunters, and it wiped out the town, and um, we said, we got to do something, because there are, there are people. We gave them a $10,000 donation. We were the top donation that was given by a private entity to that community,
3: and it was hound hunters. That makes an impact.
0: Oh, yeah. It was all over the news. Not that we were looking for press for this. We did it because it was our people.
3: But, but yeah, I get that. But any time that that when you have an organization and you're fighting for your survival, you've got to do stuff that's strategic. You do. do, Even though, I mean, yes, it's the right thing to do, but you still have to be strategic. Oh, sure. Because if it's supporting veterans or it's supporting youth events or whatever, that plays better than we want to kill bears. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to run our dogs.
1: Two birds, one stone, right? Yeah. Right? So you're, you're, and it's not even conscious. Yeah, you're, you're providing for a good cause and you're also helping, you know, your image as well at the same time. Yep. Sure.
3: It doesn't, it's, it's not something that you sit back and you sit in a board meeting and say, hey, we need to send $10,000 because it's going to play well in the media. You do it because it's the right thing to do. And then when you're talking to a legislator, they're like, didn't you guys donate $10,000 to, this community in my district. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did. Mhm. Good deal. Now you got a friend. Yeah. And but you can't do that if you can't raise the money. That's what I want to get to. And we're looking at unprecedented times for events. You know, uh, even in bear camp I've watched some of the dynamics, you know, and it's kind of like Carl shows up and everybody's standing back because he came <laughs> from some other world, and you know with the COVID stuff and and uh, but you guys weren't able to have your banquet or your convention this past year, which I was extremely disappointed in. And I'm not. I think I did get my credit back for my flight. Did you? Yeah, I oh, did. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but I I'd already had my flight booked and then and then it canceled, and that's a whole other story. But anyway. Uh, so where are you guys where are you guys headed, and what do you what's that look like for your organization? Because the shot shows already been canceled this year. Um, there's been other major events that are being canceled as we speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as far as the membership goes, um, they have to be told it's canceled because um, the hotels already sold out <laughs> as soon as we put the dates out. Uh, we put them out. We had a reservation. They're there. They're on hold. Um, it's up to our governor if he's going to allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's looking better in Wisconsin, but you know all you need is another spike, and we'll be dead in the water yet again for two years in a row. And, and it'll it'll also affect probably Michigan. Last year they didn't have that problem. They they beat it by having their convention earlier when this all hit. So it's really um, made it challenging to raise money, but it didn't stop us from still doing it. So we figured out different ways of doing the same thing. Is it as successful as having a convention where everybody can come and have a good time? Um, No, but it's still keeping the membership active and knowing it's important and making pleads to the membership to letting them know that the fight still needs to go on it, it, COVID doesn't stop the fight because our enemies are even more in power and I'll say this one thing you've got to look at is the amount of money that's being poured in under anti-hunting initiatives during COVID is going to accelerate if it already hasn't because they can see that we're the ones that are hampered not them mm-hmm. so they're kind of licking their chops so um, so we have to be aware of that um it it's just sucks that you can't have this because it, it's, it's one big family. I mean, it's a family of 2,500, 2,000 people get together. Everybody knows each other, and they relate for stories. I mean, I know people, this is, this is their vacation. This yeah. means so much to them. And the vendors, um, the, the SOS auction, there's no auction like it. Right. You got, you got 1,500 chairs in a, in a hall auction off handmade things and, and, and dogs,
3: puppies and it raises a tremendous amount of money for the political fights. Okay, so you you said that that you found other ways. Share some of the secrets because there are other 49 other states that are out there. There's no secrets. But Um, tell tell us what the Wisconsin Bear Hunters is doing to raise money.
0: We still made a plea for our SOS for political donations, Mm -hmm. um, which was very successful this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as much as um, w- as if you had had the auction. Uh, we still sold, the membership dropped off a lot because a lot of people uh, re-up at the convention. That's when they buy their okay. memberships. But for the most part, I think uh, our raffles, we do our major uh, annual raffle, we're on pace to beat the last two years. And this is all without having a convention. So those are your three, and besides foundation, we got four arms of the organization that is keeping people involved, uh, keeping our, our members informed, and telling them what you're doing. You've got to be very transparent. One thing you can't do, and uh, I know we, we, we got a lot better at being transparent with our membership of what, what we're doing with the dollars. That's key for any of these organizations. If you're like, hey, just raise the money, we'll tell you when you want to know, or, or when we're ready to tell you, how successful this is and what we're working on, but right now I can't tell you that. you got to be extremely transparent with what you're doing. Because right away if things don't go the right way, you don't get a wolf season like we are trying to get this year. Mm-hmm. People are going, well, what's going, what, what's, what, what's happening with all the money? What's going on? And if you're not constantly uh, talking about that to your board members, which are your advocates in their, in their areas, in their districts in the state, spreading the word, this is what we're doing. You know, this is what we're doing with the department. You got to keep that communication going with the people who pay the bills, which are our members. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you want to do anything behind closed doors and and make it a secret, uh, your your people start
3: distrusting you. Okay, so for those people that are out, out there thinking, hey, why don't we have an organization in our state that's operating like this? Because Wisconsin Bear Hunters is known throughout the United States from Houndsman of what you guys do up there. How do, what, what does the structure of the organization look like? You, t- you touched on it. You said, so do you have district board members?
0: Yeah, they represent different parts of the state. Okay. And, and you have three to four board members from each district. And how many districts do you have? Six, uh, six. pretty sure it's six. Southeast, Southwest, Central, Northeast, Northwest. No, I'm sorry. I can't count. Five. Five. Yeah, five. five. Okay. Yeah. So with that being said, um, those are elected positions. And they're elected because the people in their district know them locally. They trust them.
3: And they run for office and they get votes. So we run it, elections. It looks very much like our democratic process mm-hmm. that we're already familiar with. And so you're not recreating the wheel. You've just put something that, that is familiar, familiar to people and made it built an organization like that. right. And, and
0: uh, I, I, I want to say, I'm only one of, I forget how many presidents since 1960. This started at a, as more of a mom and pop operation. And my predecessors handed over an association um, that was primed to be where it is today. Mm -hmm. Without the people before me, I couldn't have done what I've done. All the past presidents and the leadership of the organization slowly building this thing up. And never being satisfied with it being at a certain size has always been the Wisconsin bear hunter's way. We always want to be bigger and better. Bigger and better. In fact, right now, there's only one place we can have our convention that's not in Milwaukee. and No bear hunter is going to go to Milwaukee or Madison. <laughs> uh, if people know where that is. Uh, just because it's, it's viewed as enemy territory. And there's only one place left that we can have it. We've outgrown every other place that we've been in the past because of its success.
3: That's great. That's great. Um, what would you have to say to you're in West Virginia Bear Hunting? How how strong is the West Virginia Bear Hunters Association? Do you know Evan?
1: I do not. I, you know, in terms of uh membership, I I I I couldn't tell you. I'd have to Any
2: hound organization, Johnny, you know? Uh just just the West Virginia Coon Hunters Association and at one time I think Evan was an officer of that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We attend, you know our state hunts and uh like he said a couple years ago, I think it's a couple years ago, the bear hunters got together. They just wanted to pass some laws, and it got knocked out pretty quick. I mean, you got large numbers, like he said, you know, uh, Carl was talking about. you got to have large numbers when you go. I mean, you can't go to the Capitol and protest without, you know, two or three people. It don't work.
1: But I think Wisconsin's, you know, the benchmark in terms of, you know, organization, um, for, you know, for a bear hunting uh, uh, association, for sure. Yeah,
0: you look at other hunting organizations, they don't have a statewide structure that represents the whole state because bear hunters come from all corners of the state, even where there's no bear. Um, and you need that representation because you, you got people that where there's probably no bear in, in West Virginia that still go bear hunt with hounds, you know? And that's one of the keys that we've done is taken the whole state and gotten them involved in bear hunting. Not that there's that many that come from the uh south southeast where I'm from. There's very few. But we still represent that because there's people down there that go up north and they, they bear hunt and run dogs or they run coyotes or cats. So you gotta make sure you have a board that's active and representing mm-hmm. all areas of the state.
3: Yeah. Yep. What's the future look like for the Wisconsin Bear Hunters Association? What do you think? Well, I'm cocky. I, it's good, <laughs> yeah.
0: you know. a good trajectory, you, 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 you gotta, trajectory, right? Yeah, you got to have fire in your belly, and you get people like that, you know. Um, the vice president of the Wisconsin Baron is Lucas Withrow. Um, he's been a pleasure to work with, and usually, your vice president, your heir or parent, you know. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's your duty to hand off an association into good hands of people who want to do the same things that you want to do and have that type of passion. And we have that. We have a lot of great young members that that uh, bear hunting means the world to them. And I think they really know that if you don't keep doing the things that we do, it will be gone. And they understand that. Mm-hmm. And they're 25 years younger than I am. That's so great. that's a good thing because they'll take up the
3: torch and they'll run with it. Have you seen an increase like the national trends right now? Since COVID hit, you know, license sales are up thirty to forty percent. Fishing tackle is going crazy. Uh, have you seen an increase in new membership for townsmen? I I would say we 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 think it's f- kind of flat
0: actually, because uh, COVID is really doesn't have effect on the sport itself all summer. In the height of the COVID, you know, when you're getting ready in the spring. Um, <laughs> everybody I saw hunting, same people. Right. Uh, you know, uh, not always taking the precautions maybe some would would have thought they should, including myself. I mean, we, we you're out in the wilderness, you live your lives, lives have risks. We, we take those risks and we live our lives. So, you know, it's just another thing. Um, as far as increasing membership, because it's so centered around our convention, That's been the struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if we would have had our convention, our membership would have probably continued to climb. And um, it's just a matter of a pause. We look at it as a pause. Our elections are on pause. Everything's on pause. And and, and pent-up ability for people to get out and do something for their passion, it's there. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of just having our
3: politicians allow us to do it. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, I spent the whole summer in Montana and, or a big portion of the summer in Montana. And just the users, the non consumptive users that we call them, you know, not hunters, there were people everywhere, you know, in the wild, wild mm-hmm. places. And looking for, you can't go to the places that you normally went. So it's like, go for a drive let's go for a hike let's go for but the national trends have been that uh, uh, people are it's it's almost especially I I saw especially back at the onset of this thing you know you couldn't buy garden seed you couldn't buy canning lids Mm -hmm. you know because all of a sudden people are like what do we do if we can't go to the store I can't buy toilet paper what do I do And so I think it opened up a a big opportunity for outdoorsmen and people that have lived our lifestyle for a long time to be able to bring new people in and fill a gap and kind of mentor some new people into this Mm -hmm. thing. So I was just curious if you'd seen anything on that front. But it's kind of a niche, you know, houndsmen, we are a niche. Uh, I would say houndsmen are COVID
0: proof uh, it, it, <laughs> it would never keep them out of the woods unless they're right. one foot in the grave to be honest that's yeah. how passionate they are about their sport and I, I didn't see anything different this summer than I did the previous summer and I won't see anything different I can I can bet
3: a million dollars that won't be any different this summer Yeah. is there a way to, to do we need more people to be involved in hound sports um, sure
0: you always want a bigger army always Absolutely, because they come and go. Uh, As you know, it's a big financial commitment. Yeah. It really is, and and they keep it generationally. Uh, My daughter, I look at her right now, you know, she's starting to think about dating, and this is the first year she didn't go every time I went, you know, and it's like you see those generational changes, and you're like, are you going to lose them?
3: I went through that, Carl. Yeah, yeah.
0: And everybody does. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, I shouldn't say that. There are uh, folks up north that uh, their kids are so hardwired in. It's almost like Easton. I don't think Evan's going to have a problem. With no, Easton. I don't either. <laughs> he, he's, yeah. he,
3: you can tell he's hardwired the rest of his life. You yeah. Know? Well, I thought I was too. I really did. Yeah. And yeah. then Corey got to a certain age, and it was kind of like, I got some other things I want to try out. But she mm-hmm. did tell me the other day. I said. You ever think you want to go bear hunting again? She's like, Yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> you know, so you may see her back in bear camp next year. Yeah. As long as she didn't get married off. I'm not ready to marry her off. I've got one married off now. So
0: But so. kids are the key. They really are. Um if you don't have that generation coming up for your sport, it will die. It's that simple.
3: There's no and way ours, around
0: it. Right. And in you know, deer hunting's hard. You gotta sit in a stand for four hours, freezing your butt out from Wisconsin, and you're trying to convince your your daughter or your son that hey this is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till that yeah. deer comes by. Hound hunting is hey, this is like uh almost racing a car. Uh a lot of action. If you, you, you don't 11, have to sit you don't have to sit down and be quiet, right? Yeah. You can eat a sandwich anytime you want. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's a lot of physical activity bars. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> look how many, look how many kids learned how to drive a truck.
0: Yeah. Through bear
3: season. So remember when Cor drove Scotty's truck off the mountain, yeah. and I think
1: she's 14. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you, <laughs> that, that means a lot to a 14 year old. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's an it's, a, it makes it an easy sale.
0: Yeah. A lot of growing up happens in bear camp.
1: For sure.
3: For sure. Well, Evan. You got anything you want to add? I do not. I, I'm good. Johnny, you've been really quiet, which is unusual because my ears have been bleeding for like three days. I mean, <laughs> I've looked at every picture on his phone. I've heard about every coon hunt he's taken.
2: And now I put a headset on you and you don't want to say anything. Well, I just <clears throat> listen to you all pretty much. I mean, it's, uh appreciate the opportunity come up. Hunt with you, riding with you all week, hunting with Evan. It was fun. And I uh, always had fun up here. We've had a blast. Uh, it wouldn't be the same if I didn't come up and spend
3: the week with you, Johnny.
2: We we yeah. cut on each other a little bit, but. A lot. That's okay. Yeah, a lot.
3: <laughs> yep. How long, how far did you say it's Sugar Land Flats over there where those Where those windmills are?
1: Yep, about 30 miles. <laughs>
3: Get out of here. That's West Virginia brotherhood right there. <laughs> three to one. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, Carl, I appreciate you sitting down and talk to us. I appreciate all of you doing doing that. I mean, the Houndsman XP podcast is about sharing individual stories and getting people uh, more informed. We want to educate and entertain at the same time. But, but uh, you know, it's just so f- good to sit down with other houndsmen and be like, you know, if we can spark that interest in somebody that's sitting out there thinking, I could do that. I could make a difference. You know, so Wisconsin Bear Hunters have a website? Yes, we do. And would you have any problem with somebody that maybe be listening to the podcast that's thinking, how are they being so successful giving you a call and, and you talking to them? No problem. The name's on the website,
0: wbha.usa.com. Go through that again. Wbha dot usa or dot us dot
3: com. Okay. Wbha. Watch I screw that
0: up too. Now I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. <laughs> Google Wisconsin Bear. Yeah, just go to W Wisconsin Bear Hunters Association. Yeah. And you'll find it. I hear you. Yeah. I right. always tell I always tell people I got my peeps working on that stuff, and I I, I don't know, I always get down into all the little finer details. Right. So.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate it. So. Hey, I know I'm sitting here with. A lot of good houndsmen and, and uh, tomorrow we'll go out and turn some bear dogs loose and never know what's going to happen so you follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.